You know, I want to say welcome, and uh, some of you I haven't got to meet either. I, my name's Daniel Stahl. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at SCC, and our incredible lead pastor, Brad Davis, uh, a lot of his family's in the school system, so when they have fall break, he's ready to take a break, and so they're all away today, but uh, I, I'm not complaining because that's when I get to bat, you know what I mean? So it's, it's fun. God bless you. We are in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And if some of you guys have, since we've started this sermon series, have, you know, turned over and trying to read through Ecclesiastes, there's a lot in there, isn't there? And uh, some of those, some of the questions he asked are questions that we probably ask. And some of them are kind of heavy. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to look at some today too. I think they're going to be real uh, applicable for us. So King Solomon, Solomon supposedly said when they add up all of the references, all the gold he had and how much weight there was in the silver that he had, they've said that he was the richest man who's ever lived. And so he had access to all of that resources. Also, people have called him the wisest man who ever lived. And so as he observes life, you know, the guy had it all in his lap, all that he needed and wanted, and still he comes up with these observations. Man, vanity of vanities, so much stuff is just emptiness. And of course, we know at the end, he says, unless you're recognizing that God is beyond that. And if you're just living for today, he says, you're always going to come up short. But I want you to look at three things today over in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He makes some observations, and we're going to look at, the first thing is three observations that he looks around and he sees, and we're going to agree with him. We see him too. And the first one is just this. He says, man, there is unfairness in this world, and people don't have enough comfort. I mean, good night, this, uh, if, if you watch the news at all this weekend, we know that war has broken out in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, today, this morning, they were bombed, and the nation of Israel is, uh, was invaded yesterday. And all I can say is, uh, Jesus is coming. Okay. We don't know exactly when or timing, but there's lots of things that he said are going to happen. And and guys, there's stuff happening all over the world. It's not just in your house, but there are injustices and unfairness. I heard this morning about someone who lost a job that just wasn't right. You hear all the time about somebody getting picked over you when really you were the one that should have gotten that new spot just because you'd been there the longest or you had the most accomplishments. And, and we agree with, with, uh, with the writer here. Man, life is unfair. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1. And he talks about sea and stuff. He says, I looked at all of the acts of oppression which were being done under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and that they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. In other words, the people that didn't have as much were being oppressed by the people who had it all. And they had no one to comfort them. That's reality, isn't it? I just, I just want you to know, it's not going to go away. We live in a world full of evil. We have a great God, a good God, but he has allowed things to not be good sometimes in our world and even in our own homes. I mean, just this week, in fact, just last night, our drummer that was supposed to be drumming today, Jeremy, and one of our life group leaders, uh, Ashley, his wife, you know, his sister passes away unexpectedly in the middle of the night. They're gone. You know, I, I know one of our life pastors is here, Dusty and, and Nikki, and, you know, 
one of the jobs, you know, a young, uh, well, not a young man, but a man was killed on the job site. I mean, you, things happen even to believers. Can you say amen to that? I mean, we have things that go on in our families. We have things that go on with our children. Sometimes we as adults make bad choices, and sometimes our kids make bad choices. And it's just really, Ecclesiastes just says, hey, guys, it's just part of life. You're going to see it happen. But here's what's really sad. When you don't have a comforter, when you don't have someone to comfort you. Now, God's comfort is promised to us. I'm going to look at that. But it even comes through a person. I want to tell you this morning, though, I heard one of the best things. Guys, y'all are going to see my stepson, and you're going to pat him on the back because he, we, we have this thing to where we pray on the way to church. He usually rides with me, and his mama comes later because she sleeps in a little bit longer sometimes. Oh, man, I could even see you looking at me that way. But I, I know you. Nah, she's great. But this morning we're praying, and he says this. Now, this is a guy that has special needs. He has an extra gene in his sets of genes. And he says this in his prayer. He says, God, I know you're real, and I can't see you, but I still know you. Wait. This is a kid with Down syndrome. He says, God, I know you're real, and I can't see you, but I still know you. Can I just tell you, he, he, we're going to eat steak sometime this week. I mean, that boy could eat some steak. And I, I'm just going, God, that's good. That is really good. And, uh, and here's the thing. He's experiencing something true that God, who's in, oh, oh, he said, God, I can't see you too. He said, God, I can't see you, but I know you're real. Now, here's the thing. You have a comforter that you can't see, but he's real. And this comforter operates best when he's operating through another person that actually has an earth suit on, okay? There's no question about it. We like to be comforted when somebody else is able to put their hand on our back or their hand on our face or, or to hug us or something like that. The Holy Spirit is that comforter we're going to see. And he does act through people, but he also acts sometimes when we're all by ourselves. He is able to show up if we'll get to know him and learn how to release him. He shows up even when somebody else isn't there for him to flow through. Listen to what Jesus said, okay? Now, this was, this was the event. It was the night before Jesus was going to the cross, okay? This was a Thursday night, we believe. And we know the next morning he was going to go through the mockery of the trial and all of that. And in John, there's like four or five, no, five chapters. And all of it is his conversation with his disciples after their meal. And this is what he said in John 14, verse 16. I want you to read it with me off the screen, okay? This is Jesus is talking, Jesus talking to his disciples. Read with me. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, stop there. That word helper is the Greek word paraclete, not parakeet, but paraclete. And it actually means comforter. It, it means helper. It means advocate. It means supporter. That's what those words, uh, in some different translations, you'll see them translated like that. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a, a comforter. And he's going to be with you forever. Keep reading. Uh, uh, okay, let's stop there since that's the end of the verse. Uh, <laughs> and he's going to be with you forever. Here's another one. John 16, 7. Okay, read this one too. 
Uh, he says, uh, but I tell you the truth. Read with me, everybody. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, here's his promise to you. Here's his promise to me. God says, you're right. This world has all kinds of injustices in it. It has all kinds of unfairness in it. Some of you have gone to court before and you felt like a judgment should have gone this way, but it went that way. Sometimes situations, somebody gets off and you weren't even the one guilty and you, you, caught, the, you caught the lick. And there's things that happen and you'll, and you'll go, it's just not fair. Can you just say that with me? It's not fair. Because guys, sometimes it isn't fair. You just need to know that sometimes life isn't fair. And injustices do happen. There are times when, and it's true that some people with power take advantage of those of us that might not have that same political, uh, social, community power. But here's what God says. He said, I'm going to give you a comforter that will never leave you. And he's just not going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And he's never going to leave you. You see, you have him right now. If you've trusted Christ, you may not understand who he is and how he works in your life. But when you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, if you've come to that place where you've bent the knee of your heart and you said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I admit, I know I've messed up. Lord, I need you. And Lord, I believe that when you went to the cross, you died for me. I believe that. And I put my hope in what you did for me as my hope of heaven. And when you do that, God does a transaction. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in your human spirit. That's the deepest part of you, your human spirit. Not just your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, but in your spirit. And that spirit, one of his names and one of his functions is comforter. Look at the person next to you and say, you've got a comforter? And use a little question. You've got a comforter? I've got a comforter. Go ahead and say, I've got a comforter. Now here's the promise. He's with you when you're with somebody. He's with you when you're by yourself. But you need to know that he... He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He sealed you to the day you see Jesus face to face. And he's going to be with you. Now, some of you go, yeah, but I, I just don't experience that a lot. Well, let me tell you, Scripture says he's like a river. And you've got to learn how. We have to learn how. I have to learn how to let the river flow through me. He's a river. Jesus said, hey, if, if you're going through stuff, he says, uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you a river. I'll give you a gift. It's a river that's going to flow through you. And that river, he said, was the Holy Spirit. So he's in you. So that's the first thing, guys. There are injustices. There's no question. You're going to experience them. Hopefully, you're not the one causing them. But there are going to be times when your kids are going to be, uh, have situations that just aren't fair. And there's going to be situations where stuff happens to your siblings, your family, at jobs, at work, everywhere. And you've got to know this. God says, okay, I allowed it. For some reason, God allowed it to happen to your life. And he says that I'm going to comfort you in the midst of it. Can you say amen to that? Because it's going to happen. Now, here's the second thing he, he, he tells us. Though. He said, not only is there injustices and you need a comforter, he says, but 
He says, life is always going to seem like a competition. Some of you have felt this too. Look at verse four. Look at verse four. I, I like this. Here, here he says again. He says, I've seen it that every labor and every skill which is done is the result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after win. In other words, it's like old Malachi Jones, you know. He, 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 he got a younger two-hump camel and his neighbor, Ezekiel Smith, you know, he, he wants to put his one-humper, you know, out to pasture and kind of bump things up, right? He wants to keep up with the Joneses just like we live there. It happens all the time. Now, I bought, we, Mary and I moved up here this year and I did not know that my neighbor was going to be as mean as he is. Now, let me tell you the truth. He's a great guy. He's a really great guy. But he and his wife have five cars. Five cars. Now, I don't just mean regular cars. Now, this guy, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He, he's not my favorite guy yet because he hasn't let me drive one or two of his cars. But in his garage, in his garage, he has a 1963 Corvette V, you know, oh, hard top got headers on it. Of course, he's going to show it to me. He says, oh yeah, it starts it up, you know, you got that, you know, 327 in it. What? That's great. I'm going, God, I rejoice with my brother. Oh, I'm so happy for him. You know, oh, God bless him. Well, then the other car sitting next to it is a 2014 Camaro Supersport. I'm glad he can afford that. You know, his kids are gone. He's an older guy. He's even older than me. And, you know, he, he, he starts it up. It makes the vet, you can't even hear the vet running when the Camaro Supersport is on. You know, you hear, you hear that. And it's got headers on it too, pipes coming. I'm going, it's not right. It's just not right. But his garage is right by my sink. And, you know, of course, I do all the dishes all the time. I'm sorry, I'm lying. Uh, but but I, 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 eat in the, I eat in the kitchen a lot, and, and, and you hear that, and it's like, uh, you know, my Honey Nut Cheerios are rumbling. You know, it starts up, and you see little waves going across the top of my cereal bowl. Now, here's the thing. I love cars, too. A lot of you guys, don't, a lot of you women, y'all like cars. I mean, that's just part of it. And, and here's what Solomon says. I see it out there. There is rivalry and competition and envy everywhere. Well, yes, there can be. There can be. Can, would you just be honest enough to say, yeah, it can be. I mean, we're all capable of it. I'm totally capable of it. But here, here's the truth. God says, uh, I'll give you grace. I'll give you grace. I mean, so it stirred me up, though. I said, you know, I'm going to buy me another car. Yes, I am. So I sold a car, and I had some money, and so I did. I went out and bought us a 2015 Kia Sonata. <laughs> yes, sir, I'm showing him, baby. A little four-cylinder, and I can haul stuff. You know what I mean? I'm going, let me see you drive that Corvette and go pick up eight bags of black mulch. Yeah, go ahead. You want to borrow my car? Yeah, no. Rivalry. No, that's true. It's maroons right out there. Here's what Philippians says. See, Paul knew this. 
Solomon saw, and it's true, guys, it's everywhere, and it can move some of us to be ungrateful people. See, those type of realities can move some of us to get all angry on the inside because of the injustices. We don't have comfort. And it can cause some of us to really become bitter because we don't have what somebody else has. And Solomon sees it and he says, guys, it's vanity. It's life to think that those are the things that are going to meet the deepest needs of your heart. He says, because they're always going to leave you wanting. They're always going to leave you coming up short. So Philippians 4 is a, is a, is a great verse. Here's what he says. He says, um, I don't speak from what, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. Read with me this next part. Read with me. I know how to get along with humble means. Some of you have had to. And I also know how to live in prosperity. Some of you may not be as good at living in prosperity as you were when you had things more humble. But God says, you're going to experience, you can experience both of them. In any and every circumstance, read with me, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. See, Paul says, rivalry is going to be everywhere. Competitive pricing is part of life. You know, that's how you generate business. You've got to get it down to where you can sell it and somebody else not beat your price. I mean, that's just all part of our life that we live in. And he says, but... Don't be angry and bitter at God because you feel like you're being uh, cheated. And he says, and don't feel like you're being left without. He says, but learn, he says, learn how to live with contentment. You know that same Holy Spirit who produces comfort? You know what? He's also the one who produces peace. It's one of the fruit he produces. The Holy Spirit produces love, joy, patience, peace. Love, joy, and peace. See, God says, I'm, I'm, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he's the one who's going to produce Christ's life through you. We need, we need him. So don't, you can't escape competition and comparison. Just don't give, yield to it. Here's the next thing he said. Look at verse seven and eight. This is everywhere here too. Uh, seven and eight says, I, I looked again. He says, I also saw this vanities under the sun. There was a certain man without a dependent. He had neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? He says, that's vanity. It's a grievous task. Now, here's the thing, guys. Write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Workaholism is the addiction that America applauds. Workaholism is an addiction. In fact, most of us that function in that uh, area of addiction usually substituted that addiction for some others that we gave up. See, I became a Christian when I was 19, gave my heart to Christ, really meant, well, I, I was, when I was a kid, you know, I went to church all the time and had met the Lord, but just never let Jesus be Lord and, and when Christ started dropping stuff off of my life, there are drugs and there's alcohol and there's other things that I had to I let Christ become Lord of, of my life. And those things dropped off, those other addictions. But you know what? Man, I sure filled it up with workaholism. Because I had a father who's a great man. He's still living. He's 95 years old and a and, um, great man. And he, 
he, he worked so hard and he just always expected us to work, 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 work. You know, and that's how I felt like I pleased my earthly dad by working hard and achieving and having stuff. Well, when I became a Christian, I just transferred that right over to God. I said, well, I know God's going to be happy with me is that I work, 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 work for him. It's like, now at the time too, you got to know, I, I was a Baptist. How many, I, I've asked this, a lot of y'all used to be Baptist, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we had Sunday school, small groups on Sunday morning. We had church. Sunday night, we had small groups on Sunday night. It was called training union. Then we had Sunday night church. I mean, I got four points just on Sunday. Well, Wednesday night was a given. That's when we had youth group, but we had college ministry, but we had prayer meeting. Now, truthfully, we, we, we didn't pray for you if you were there. We only prayed for people that weren't there. Now, come on. Some of you Baptists know what I'm talking about. See, we're going to pray for people that are here this morning. But, but you know, where, where we came from, it's like it's okay to pray for people, but you just don't, it's, just, it's just weird when you pray for them when they're there. You know, because, I mean, what if God does heal them right there? And you're, what are you going to do with that? You know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's like, how do you handle that? Good night, you're going to start something. Well, but the work, so we had Wednesday. So I was a five-star. But, see, I was committed. Tuesday night, we had church visitation. Like all you guests, now see, we, you might have filled out a card, but we made sure you filled out a card. And even though we acted like we were just really, we came to see you, even if you didn't ask us to. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, we, we lightened it up because we'd make you little cakes and stuff. That was real sweet. You know, we, we had a little, you know, banana bread and we'd bring you a gift. But of course, the big thing was these super troopers, we had gone to visitation and learned how to share our faith. And we were going to make sure you were saved, right? That's Tuesday night. Well, on Saturdays, the teenagers went visiting because we had a bus. You had to go out and bring people in on the bus. You know what? So we had, so man, I was four stars on Sunday, you know, another star on Wednesday, a star on Tuesday, a star on Saturday. And you know what? It was all for Jesus. No, it wasn't. Let me tell you the truth. It was really... How did it make me feel? Because, see, that's how I felt good about me. Now, you need to write that down in your note sheet. How does something make you feel about you? Because that motivation is so prevalent in so many of our lives. Even spiritually, we justify it. But it is a, it is a snare, you know, because you do something because it makes you feel good about you. Y'all know what I mean? You say, well, pastor, isn't that good? Shouldn't I do stuff that makes me feel it? Yeah, but it becomes an addiction. It can become to where that's all you live for is how do you make yourself feel good about you? And you can neglect your family. You can neglect other priorities because you're doing something to try to make yourself feel good about you even before God. At least that was me. That was me. So workaholism is there. And up here, he said, man, you, 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 comp, you do things out of competition and robbery and you don't learn how to be content. And he says, and a lot of times you can get bitter because things are so unfair. But then I believe he brings chapter four to the right conclusion when he says this. Truthfully, you just need people. Everybody needs positive relationships. Everybody needs people. Now, there have been times, I guarantee you, that you've been closer to other people than you are maybe right now. Or maybe right now is a time you've been the closest to other people than you've ever been in your life. But sometimes there are seasons, okay? 
There are seasons. But guys, what we've got to all be committed to do is make sure, even as uh, Rhonda and some of the people were talking about earlier, that you have those solid relationships through all of your life. Because I guarantee you, most of us can see the biggest times we blew it was when we didn't have the right relationships with people that were for us. Most of us can look back and and see the times that we blew it the worst or blew it the most was when those relationships were there. But let me show you what I mean. This is the passage that Steve read. Verse 9. Scripture says, and Solomon saw this, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Um, This is true. I had a couple young guys. I don't see them here. Usually they're here. Uh, Got to know them from the youth ministry. And I had Mary and I were going to make us a patio. Now, we don't have any grandkids up here. All our grandkids are in the south. And so I really, after pricing concrete, no offense if some of you guys are in concrete, I decided I really didn't need concrete. How many of you know what I mean? So, so man, I just, we outlined some pavers and put some black mulch down, and there you go. But the thing was, I, two kids did in a day what it would have taken me a week to do. You know, it's strong. My back hurt so bad just from loading those pavers into the back of my fancy race car and, and just loading them into the back of the van and getting them there and letting those guys unload them. I mean, I couldn't walk the next day. Mary's going, man, you, you just need to give this up. Two's better than one. Man, they knocked it out. How many of you have been in a job where that's just the thing? My wife says that all the time. She says, why don't you help me clean up the house? It's just so much more fun. And I go... Define fun again? Yeah. But two's better. Can you just say that with me? Two's better than one. So let me ask you a question just right here before we go any farther. Who's your other? Who's your other person? Friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a kid. Who's your other person that really makes your life better? To where you say, it's better. It's better that they're in my life. I hope you have somebody. I hope you have a few people, but this is what he says. You're going to be better off. Two are better than one. They have a good return. If one of them falls, the other one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Everybody needs somebody. Furthermore, if two lie down, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? I got to stop here and just say, I don't know how Solomon missed this with 700 wives. How had he not ever heard of the word menopause? I'm sorry, honey. I don't mean... How can one be... How... How can one be warm alone? That's just because you get your hormones adjusted. It's like you be laying in bed and the sheets come off. Whoa! And I went, what, 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 what? You know, and it's like, I'm hot. I'm going... I'm not even near you, you know. It's menopause. Well, anyway, I, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you would think he would have known that. I don't know. It just seems like that might have been in there. But that it is possible to be warm alone. But I get what he was saying. I mean, we do, right? We get what he was trying to say. If one, if, if one person can overpower a person who is alone, then two people can resist him. That's just basic if you got two normal sized guys and there's one guy the two are going to probably be able to take the one guy and he says if he says a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart and basically physically what he's saying is this two is better than one three is better than two four is better than two four is better than three 
just physically, you know, it's just a strength thing. Now, all of that's true. It's true in relationships. This is where he's going. But he says specifically, guys, when it, when it comes spiritually, it doesn't just add. See, God through the Holy Spirit multiplies things. Now, this is what Jesus said. It's to your advantage that I go away. But spiritually, Deuteronomy 32, 30, I think that verse is going to be up here. Um, he, he, yeah. How, could, how can one chase a thousand? Because there's a verse that says, you know, one can, one can put to flight a thousand, two can put to uh, put a flight 10,000. He says, unless the rock has sold them and the Lord has given them up. And so here's what happens. When God gets involved in your situations, even in your messes, things don't just get added together. Things multiply. God is a multiplier. He gives strength, not just a little bit more, but God can magnify strength to where you can do things that you might later call miraculous. And from God's perspective, no, it's just him. He's just showing up. From our earthly side, where we're used just to adding a little bit more and adding a little bit more, when God shows up, things multiply. And that's what God says, I want that to be your norm. I want that to be what you expect to happen because of who you are, my kid. So physically, they added. Spiritually, things happen. Uh, Corporately, see, this is where we are. See, in in Acts 2.1, it says this before God's helper showed up. He says they were all together in one place. And scripture says that they were all of one mind. They were all in one accord. There wasn't a bunch of strife going on. They were all committed to the lordship of Christ together. He says, and when they were in that type of frame of mind, it says the Holy Spirit came and showed up in power. That's true for us. It's true for us. Matthew 18, 19, this should be happening in our small groups all the time. And, and, and this is why we encourage everybody to get in a group somewhere, somehow. Because Jesus said this about your prayer life. In Matthew 18, he said, read it, everybody with me. Let's all read it. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. We all need positive relationships. We all need positive relationships. And it's God's plan. Now, you also, that verse that Ben preached to me this morning. You see, there are things that happen physically. There are things that happen spiritually. God shows up. There are things that happen corporately. But bottom line is you have to run your own spiritual race. How many of you know that? Nobody can run your race for you. Now, they can run it with you, and they can pray for you while you're running your race, but we all have to take responsibility for our personal walk and our race toward our finish line, which is, is Ecclesiastes says it, our death one day. And we're all heading that way. We're all going to be there. And God says, run it powerfully. Now, verse... Uh, Angeline talked about it earlier. Even as kids, memorize scripture. Get it down inside your kids' hearts. Get it in your hearts. Now, as men, I have to be honest. Uh, it's harder for me to memorize scripture right now than it was, you know, 30 years ago. I don't know why. I think because I got so much other junk in here, I got to get out sometimes. But one of the verses I memorized years ago was, was Psalm 1. It, it's just a powerful, powerful six verses of scripture. And it says, blessed is Daniel. I'm going to put my name in there. It's how I remember it. Blessed is Daniel who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
Blessed is Daniel who doesn't stand in the path of sinners. Blessed is Daniel who doesn't sit in the seat of scornful mockers, people who make fun of the things of God. I made a choice. I'm going to be different. But this is what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Every single one of us to run our own personal race, you have to learn how to read and understand this book. You have to. Teenagers, you have to. In fact, I guarantee you can remember our scripture 10 times faster than your parents. I got a suggestion for you. You want to win something? Because we're all about competition. Scripture even says it. Make a deal with your parents. Mom, if I, read, if I memorize 10 verses of scripture, will you give me X, 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 whatever it is? Mama, Christmas is coming. If we memorize the whole first chapter of James, you think we can get an Xbox? No, that's worth at least two chapters, maybe more. But I guarantee you. Now you say, well, pastor, did you do that with your kids? I did. I was, I, listen, I was ruthless, man. Because see, I was still pretty bound up when my kids were little. I was still pretty bound up in the workaholism thing. So I figured they had to do something, right, to earn it. But we did. We challenged them. And man, I, my, my oldest son, he challenged me to memorize the whole third chapter of John. And I said, it's on. You know, and, and we did. You know, and, and, and my daughters, I have three daughters and an older son and, and Ben, my stepson. And, and we always have been committed to try to memorize scripture. And sometimes, yes, rivalry does inspire things. And rewards is the ultimate though. <laughs> is, what are you going to win? So, so do that for your personal race because, but here's what it says. Don't, uh, he says, you're going to be blessed when you don't uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scoffer. But this is what you do that's going to bless you. You're going to meditate in this book day and night. And God says, when you do that, when you do that, he says, whatever you do, he says, you're going to be like a tree that's planted firmly by streams of water. Then he says, whatever you do is going to prosper. That's a pretty good promise. You're going to prosper. Now, that doesn't mean just be rich. It just means you're going to have your needs met and have extra. He he says, whatever you do, your leaf is not going to get brown. You're always going to bear fruit in every single season. He says, and and whatever you do is going to prosper. I say, that's a good promise. So that's, that's my private race. I take that responsible. That, that didn't involve preaching. Like this morning, I, I did have my sermon outlined, but you know, I spent time reading other places in the word and speaking it over my life because I know that I have to make that a habit. And I know you do too, amen? Now, here's what I wanna do as we close. As we close, and it's gonna have to be quick. Uh, but they knew I was preaching and I have a bad reputation, so... Um, of going over time limit. So, so here's what I want to do, though. We, we want to apply this passage of Scripture. And Ecclesiastes says two's better than one. Three's better than two. He says, and, and he said, you don't have a comforter. He says, in times that you're, you're competitive and you haven't learned how to receive encouragement. So what we're going to do, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to sing that incredible song by Crowder Wright wrote it about the, um, about we're really loved. God really loves us. And this morning in the first service, we did this. And boy, was, did the Holy Spirit show up and just minister to people, encourage people. And uh, I, I want to give an opportunity for us to experience that too. And here's what I want to do. While they're coming, I want to ask 
uh, all of our life group leaders just to come walk up here. Life pastors, those are the people that minister to our life group leaders, our small group leaders. I'm going to ask all of our small group leaders and our life pastors. Tom Myers is a life pastor. Karen Hampton, where are you? She ministers to our life group leaders. And where is uh, Dusty and, and uh, Nikki? I know they minister to life group leaders. I want y'all to face me though, okay? Y'all face me. And then I want all of our life group leaders to come up to, hey, Tom, come over here and face me right here first. So I'm gonna pray for you guys. And then y'all are gonna pray for people. These people, these people, Mary and all these people, any more life group leaders or small group people, leaders here? Thank you, brother. Sorry to pull you out of the... Okay. These guys, thank you, Mary, one of our life pastors. These people are committed. Thank you, Pam. These people are committed to serve you. These people are committed. They're volunteers. They're committed, though, to be that extra person for you when you need them. They, they have groups in their homes. They have groups maybe at some of the places down at the uh, bridge. But they're committed to serve you and to be here for you. And now some of your other groups, there's a, more than this here this morning. So your group leader, if you're in a small group and you say, where's my leader? They may have been here this morning. But they're committed. And, and I just want to speak a blessing. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you that they, they love you, that they're open to you speaking to them. And then, Lord, they're willing to be vessels, Lord, for you to flow through them to other people. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. That's who they are. And that's who you called them to be. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you all to do, okay? I'm going to ask you guys to spread across the front. And turn around and face our congregation. The congregation, I want y'all, y'all spread out some more, okay, so you have plenty of room. Okay, and face the congregation. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to be honest. How many of you have a situation going on right now where you need a comforter? You need a comforter. Look at this. See, we're everywhere, guys. It's because it's life. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, how about this? How about a situation where you say, man, I don't know what to do. I, I just need some wisdom. I need some help. I need some encouragement. Let me see your hands. Where are you? See, a lot more of us. See, guys, we're not to do life alone. We're not to be alone. And some of you just say, look, I, I just have a hurt in my heart. I just, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just angry. I don't know. I just got stuff going on. Can I just invite you to do this, Okay. We're going to take about four minutes. We're going to sing this song. If you raise your hand when we stand up, I just want you to walk on down to the front. Grab one of these people. Just go up to them and say, pray with me. And they're going to pray with you and for you. And you can pray if you want to. But they are here for you. Okay, say amen to that. Now, here's the thing. Are you willing to let them be here for you? Let them be here for you. That's, they're committed to serve you. Let them pray with you. Will you do that? Let's stand up, okay? We're going to sing this great song. And, uh, and while we're singing it, you come and just let people pray in agreement with you. Go ahead and step, be stepping out right now. Just come on up and uh, get with somebody and find the person they're all going to pray. Here we go. Let's sing. I've got a friend. It's closer than a Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend Mm, He is my strength 
is my portion with me in the valley with me in the fire with me in the storm let all my life testify Father, what a friend. 
One more, one more question. We only have, no, I have one minute. If you're here, though, and you say, you know, Pastor, it just kind of intimidates me to come up to the front, but I really am open to somebody saying a prayer with me. I know I need something because I agree with Ecclesiastes. Life is unfair. Life is full of injustices. And Pastor, I, I agree with the writer because... I am so caught up in competition and rivalry, and I feel like I lose sometimes. Sometimes I'm the winner and proud. Maybe you say, you know, I, I just need somebody. Honestly, if you could use a prayer, you're not going to come forward, but just slip your hand up. I want to see, I want you to say, I need somebody, because that's the first step in having a need met, is to admit to somebody that you have a need. Okay. All right. Way back in the back. Thank you, hon. I want, I want you to. Hey, Susan. See that girl has got her hand up way back there? I want you to go back there and just give her a big hug and pray for her right now. You got 17, 18 more seconds. It's going to be a short prayer, hon. I'm sorry. Okay. Anybody else on this side? The first thing is you got to say, Lord, I need something. Call out to him. And he will answer you. He will answer you. He will answer you. Amen. Isn't God good? See, that's what we sing about. And, and when God wrote this in here, it, it may sound negative, but see, this is pre-Jesus. You see, Solomon didn't know that Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, it can look worse than it really is for us. It's not that it's not, not, it's not, that it's not good, but God gives grace. God always gives grace, and he's here for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.